welcome everyone to the January episode of the Untitled Nick Cage Show. I am your host, Larry. I'm Rachel, and it's 2021. Or no, no, Two. it's not. It's 2022. <laughs> I mean, I, I dare you to explain to me how this year is any different than last year i either Can saw a tiktok me? or a meme and it was like uh i didn't know 2020 was going to be a trilogy <laughs> <laughs> come on i need the roaring 20s to begin and uh speaking of that we were actually recording this a week later than we originally wanted to and it's because uh i got the uh the rona yes Yes, you yeah. have joined the uh, dubious ranks of the, the Rona havers. Although I, you have those sweet, sweet antibodies now. Now you I can do. just go crazy. You are now. It's kind of like you know when you watch a movie and it's like post-apocalyptic, and then there's that one sort of like mall montage where they're just like trying on <laughs> like expensive clothes they could never yeah. put on. They're driving fancy cars. Like that is your. <laughs> as soon as you feel better, like your mall montage moment begins. You got like three months <laughs> to just go absolutely ham. Yeah, and I, I'm not gonna get into it too much, but I, I do just want to give a little PSA. Uh, it sucks, and if you haven't been yeah. vaccinated, uh, I was, and it sucks still. So yeah. I couldn't even imagine taking this on without being vaccinated. So maybe, Ooh. maybe if you haven't been putting it off, like now is definitely the time because it is coming for us all. Do it. Do you will. The needle is teeny tiny. You will feel better. <laughs> you will protect yourself. You will protect others. It's it's in. It's free. <laughs> it's free. It's free. Like, who passes up free shit? Yeah, it's true. So. Hey. We're reviewing The Rock. Um, we yes. bumped it up on this schedule because yes, because it's my of birth- another glorious thing that's <laughs> happening this week. Yes, it is. It is my birthday month. Um, it is the day of which was foretold when Larry <laughs> entered the world. <laughs> and, <laughs> and 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 like part of me, like I was t- I was torn up because part of me wanted to do The Rock, and mm-hmm. then another part of me wanted to do Con Air, not Con Air, um, Face Off, because mm-hmm. those are two mm-hmm. like. Probably like my top two cage movies. Yeah, I, one of the things I'm so excited about through this process is I'm gonna figure out what my favorite cage movie is because mm-hmm. I kind of go like every day I change my mind and like at the end of this I feel like I'm gonna have a, a true opinion. Like right now, if you like stuck a gun to my head, I think I'd go Con Air, but I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, and I'm happy we chose The Rock one because like we'll, we'll get into it, but this is like kind of the movie that made me want to become a scientist. Mm-hmm. we'll get into that a little bit more later which but... is wild having re-seen it <laughs> <laughs> and, and and the other thing too is uh i know that you are trying to figure out like like extra content for the for the network and like yeah. crossovers and everything and i yeah. think face off would be a a good one to to mm. cross over with i wonder if we should ask everybody on the network what their favorite cage movie is yeah and bring them on and also face off we could do like a whole face off event i know <laughs> so yeah um so there's been a lot going on um we can talk about it and I, there's some stuff that we have been doing about the save for the post show stuff mm-hmm. such as mm-hmm. yellow jackets unfortunately Ooh, hoo, hoo. i'm so excited to de- I, I haven't talked about the finale yet so i'm excited to do it mm-hmm. with you and i was quiet in the chat too because i was just, i was differently than dragula i was like i put my phone down i'll just be quite honest like <gasps> it's 
scandalo. I know. I just watched. I, I didn't want to miss anything. I didn't want to miss any details. I didn't want to like. All of my jokes. Pearls before swine. I'm no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but I, I was. I was just hooked. Uh, no, I. I get it. I get it. So yeah, um, what's been new with you? Ooh, what has been new with me? I mean, the lockdown continues, which definitely put the damper on the old social life. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I've been doing, I've really been working really hard on podcast things, I would say, and work really takes up a lot of time. But, you know, I'm planning this year. I really like the conversation we had behind for the show about just like having to live life now as it is and also, but do it smartly. Like, I really am trying to figure out ways to have some adventures. Like, I'm I'm going to try going to an aquarium next week. So oh, fun. So, wish me luck on that. I haven't been to, you know, we're going to go to the Monterey Bay Aquarium, which may have heard of it. I mean, it's like. I have. Yes, more. I have. Okay. All right. I didn't want to assume. But <laughs> my partner's never been. And I, I oh, it's a place fun. that I love. And we've been talking about going for years. And then along comes old Rona. So, mm-hmm. we're going to double mask it and go. So, we're planning that. And just, yeah. So that's, I mean, nothing too, too exciting. Yeah, I hate zoos, but I love aquariums. Interesting. I hate sad zoos. I hate any zoo. I, I don't like seeing large mammals and stuff mm-hmm. in cages. I wonder like, if you there's... like Safari West, which is like, um, a, like a kind of like a faux wildlife preserve. Yeah, they have one actually here in Ohio, funnily enough, uh-huh. a couple years ago. So like, even that bothers me. I don't know. I feel like there's like some things that like. It's just something about the mammals. It, it's it's mm-hmm. the it's the like knowing that like we're so related to them. Like I can deal with fish, but even like dolphins and stuff. Like I, I don't I don't like that either. Like for me, it's yeah. gotta be like invertebrates or like fish or things that like just aren't as cognitively developed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and I don't know. It just it just I drive I to drive by Columbus Zoo every single day on my way to work, and I just I hate it. I hate it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's that Oakland Zoo, and it's uh-huh. it's I don't know. I guess yeah. I I. Like, if you feel – you feel how you feel, and I totally, like, receive yeah. that. I think they're important for building empathy about animals because seeing them makes you care about them. Yeah. But but if I get a hint of, like, these animals are mistreated, then I'm ready to, like, burn the place down. Well, not only that, but, like, Columbus Zoo, which, I like, when I was growing up, like, Jack Hanna was this, like, beloved, like, mm-hmm. anthropologist. I know who that is. Yeah, is he bad news? Yeah, after he no, passed away, some stuff really? started coming out about the organization. Columbus Zoo lost its accreditation. Shit. Because they yeah, appealed he seems it. So like, like passionate about animals. Yeah, it's that's a shame. And Ugh. and that and that's the thing for me is just like Jack Hanna. We just can't have anything nice. That's what I want to say. It's like shit. like similar to like me like still having symptoms and like not even being required to get negative COVID tests to go back Ooh, into so a research grim. lab. Like it's just like like unsanitary for lab purposes. Capitalism just wins, one way or another. Ayn Rand had had her nose on something. Like objectivism, just (laughs) people just operate on that. No matter how much you want to think they don't, that is just the way so many people operate. And man, does it suck. Yeah, it really does. It really, really does. I just can't wait. I don't. I don't know. I was <laughs> Let's shocked. Let's not even go there. I was just shocked because, like, like, like Devin, like Devin is still from home. And don't get me wrong; she's going stir crazy. Like Devin does not want to be cooped up like this. And like Devin's work is requiring her to get a a professionally done negative COVID test. Like they're going to cover the cost, or it's going to be free for the most part, right? But they would, but they would cover the cost for it. 
She's working from home. She's still getting paid, all that jazz. But until she gets a negative test, she can't come back into work, which Which seems responsible. (laughs) And for me, it's just like, oh, hey, it's been five days. Here's your letter. Come back in. Make sure your mask is on. (laughs) Fuck that. Make sure your mask is on. Jesus. Wow. I mean, what that's the, the scary thing is, though, is if they're doing it to you, which is super shitty and exploitative, it also means they're doing it to other people in the in the lab. One of my best friends is a nurse in a yeah oncology floor, ooh, and ooh, he has been explicitly ooh. told that if you have coronavirus, if you are healthy enough, you are expected to come in. Just having it is not enough not to come in. He works on a floor with immune-compromised patients. Yeah, what the, the oncology fuck? thing is a wild What reason. the fuck? <laughs> I know that it's just been, like, years of just, like, pressure on a system that was already fucked. But, like, when you hear doctors and nurses talking about it, it's so discouraging. Um, yeah, I, I don't think you listen to uh, Chapo's Trap House. No, no, I was, I mean, I was just listening to like a, a, you know, a New York Daily episode where they were talking about it. Okay. They had a a nurse on who had previously quit Mm -hmm. and he was just describing like what his, his time had been like. He was working in Detroit Mm -hmm. and basically he said by the end, the reason why he quit is he felt like he wasn't even treating people. He was just basically, basically like trying to keep them from dying as long as possible like not treating to get better, like literally because they were so short staffed. And so under man, like he was like, he felt like he was just literally killing people and hearing that story. Just this like is grim. <laughs> I know. Welcome to the untitled Nick Cage show. Everybody. <laughs> you literally say this for the very end. You're getting it up front. <laughs> let's get, okay. Let's, let's circle back. We'll talk about death and destruction at the end. First, let's just, let's talk about something uplifting like the Nazi virus gas <laughs> that has been souped up. And it's about to blow up San Francisco. So- oh, you're ta- oh, you want to get into the show? Okay, okay, <laughs> okay. I see, I see, I see. Perfect. It's just funny that like our topic is so like even though it's a fun movie, it's actually like it's thematically deep. pretty freaking grim, dude. Yes. <laughs> and yes. That, that, this, these are my stomping grounds, man. When they're in San Francisco and stuff, I'm like, I've been there, I've been there, I've been there. I was gonna ask there. you, like, could you see your house or anything from like, any I did the drive not see my house, stuff? but I did, as a local, recognize a huge flub in the movie. Oh, really? Yes. So there's a part where they're shooting one of the rockets. Spoiler alert! At the because um, <laughs> the, the game in Oakland. Yeah. But the stadium they show is not the Oakland Coliseum. It's is it the, candlestick. It's, the, it's candlestick. I was like, when I seen it, I was like, that ain't the Oakland Coliseum, where, incidentally, I got my vaccine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's the Coliseum where I froze my ass off watching the Giants play back in the day. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I've seen sports games before. <laughs> what about it? Come at me, bro. All right. So we can go ahead and be done with what's new. But we do have, I see here, a couple stories for Breaking yeah, Cage News. Our boy has been keeping us busy. <laughs> so uh we can go back and forth i see you have two i have two I do. yes so the first one i just want to extend a little congratulations to mr cage yes. and his wife riku shibata uh he is expecting his third child and it will be his first son uh with her so there we go congratulations, congratulations. the seed is strong yes the, the coppola line <laughs> will continue 
<laughs> That's awesome. Good for him. It must be nice to be a dude. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What's one of your stories? All right. Well, let's start off with um, his. He has shared with the world because Nick Cage is nothing if not generous. His <laughs> acting philosophy. Uh, it was during a uh, roundtable, the the annual actor roundtable for the Hollywood Reporter, where he explained how his acting style is like martial arts. <laughs> Here's a quote. I would say there's no real style of acting. It's almost like a mixed martial art. It can be whatever you want it to be. This is all making sense, isn't it? You can combine. <laughs> you can create your own Jeet Kune Do, which I looked up how to say, uh, <laughs> with acting. Don't get trapped in a style. Don't get trapped in naturalism, <laughs> which is quite a statement. Uh, and be open to your dreams. Your imagination is the most your most important tool, and there's always... There are ways to augment your imagination. Healthy ways to augment your imagination. Lest you think they... Uh, <clears throat> he was talking about substances or something. <laughs> so you're not necessarily doing. You're being. Dreams. Dreams are important. <laughs> <laughs> so for you out there who are aspiring acting, forget natural naturalism. Forget technique. Forget everything you know. Just use your imagination and also mixed martial arts. There you go. Academy Award. So one thing I am curious about is what? like, obviously, there, there, there's, there's a little bit of goofiness in there. But mm-hmm. I think about some of the performances that I love the most. Mm-hmm. Um, not necessarily like a, some of our award winning, like Joaquin Phoenix playing mm-hmm. the Joker. Yeah. And then anything Daniel Day-Lewis has ever done. Mm-hmm. Um, Defoe in most of his roles, but I also think like Gene Wilder in Willy mm. Wonka. Interesting. Like, yeah. I feel like if they had taken themselves too seriously, mm-hmm. or if they hadn't kind of given themselves over to these like larger than life characters, mm-hmm. I feel like their their roles wouldn't have been well. Like, I feel like that's the problem, in my opinion, here that with Jared Leto's Joker in comparison to all the Jokers that come that came before and after. <laughs> Mm-hmm. is that he took himself too seriously. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, you can give yourself into the role. Like, Ledger did it. Nicholson did it. Mark Hamill does it for the voice. Like, you can absolutely do that, but there's a part of it that also, like, isn't grounded in, like, what he was saying, like, this, like, natural approach. And mm-hmm. I don't know. I think, even though it's a little bit goofy, because it is Nick Cage, yeah. I-, I think there's a little bit of there there. And I also think... If somebody else said these exact words, I'd be like, you need to remove yourself from your own buttocks. Yes. But there is, I do actually think that this comes from a place of real self-reflection when we're talking specifically about Nick Cage. I think it's Mm -hmm. incredibly telling that this is his approach because it is evident once you hear that, that that is exactly what he, this is honest feedback that he's giving people from the heart and from experience, not trying to sound like he's up his own ass. Yeah. Um, and I think it is evident. And it is what we love about him, let's be honest. Yeah, and, and we've covered, what, four different decades now of Cage mm-hmm. films? Even mm-hmm. though we're only on episode seven. And... <laughs> we're very fast. Very, very fast. <laughs> and, like, all of the performances have all been so different. Because yes. the roles that he's playing have mm-hmm. just required so like for so much variety. Like, I, for one, can't wait to watch Left Behind. Mm-hmm. 
Well, he was just saying recently <laughs> that. Wait, Left Behind. I don't Isn't know. he in Left Behind? He probably is. Uh, for some reason, I was thinking you were talking about knowing. No, uh, let me look while you're, while you're going to continue what you're saying. But I'm pretty sure he was in the Left Behind movie. Oh, I'm sure he probably was. Which, you know, by the way, today I was like updating the video on demand calendar, which is something if you haven't already checked it out, people listening, you should check it out on our website. <laughs> um, and there was a new one today from Bruce Willis. And I was like, why does Nick Cage get so much shit when Bruce Willis actually has Nick Cage's career? Yeah. He's the cash check in his person in Hollywood right now. Why yeah. do you say this about Nick our boy Cage, Cage is like having fun? Yeah. Like like to me, Nick Cage almost is like a, a different kind of version of how I view Daniel Radcliffe. Like mm. Daniel Radcliffe made his fuck you money in Harry Potter. Yeah. And now I feel like Daniel Radcliffe is literally just making movies that he wants to make. And Did some you see of what them he's doing are, next? Yeah, Weird Al. He's playing Weird yes! Al. Yes! I can't oh, wait. It's gonna be so It's gonna good. be amazing. Yeah. But like like he he made his fuck you money and he does goofy movies, but he's also done yeah. like some really impressive and like beautiful films too like like the the swiss army man was a mm-hmm. fantastic movie he was also in horns which was mm-hmm. a great movie like mm-hmm. I, I, I i don't know i but the thing is though about cage versus willis is like i feel like in willis's like he there is a there is a humbleness behind what nick cage does like it's like yeah i feel like he isn't just taking a check he mm-hmm. sees like okay i could be this character you know what i mean and maybe i'm he crazy also seems like he's having fun whereas there's a cynicism almost yes willis yes oh there's and, a joy and it... to nick cage like he's just like i'm a i'm an artist this is fun this is what i do and you know what he's not i tried to look up like as fun facts about him he's done like nothing else in his life all he's ever done is act really he's never done music he was never a carpenter he never he, like this is he has always been an actor. Crazy. Isn't that nuts? Yeah. I feel like I've been five people in my lifetime. <laughs> I know. I, I definitely feel I've gone through phases. I mean, yeah. the price. Yeah. Uh, I, I just want to give you a little bit of clarity. Uh, we do have a Left Behind film. Okay. Based on the first book. Uh, it will have Ooh. Nick Cage, Chad Michael Murray, Ooh. Jordan Sparks, and Leah Thompson. That's an interesting cast. Yeah. I know you have a very big crush on Leah Thompson, so. I did. I, I did not know she was in this movie. Uh, I read the books. I mean, as someone who loves horror, like, every born again in my life has tried to give me those books. <laughs> and I read I... the first one, and I was like, <laughs> so <laughs> like if me. Yeah, so I, I read the kid version, and then I quickly went to the adult version. And, like, we'll, we'll talk about when we get to this movie, but, like, there is something, like, the standy about it if you can get oh, yeah. past the, the proselytization like yeah the book of revelation if you take it seriously is some Ooh. pretty dark shit oh yeah yeah that was my always my favorite whenever i had to learn a bible like when you had to bring your own bible oh, see baby goth whenever you had to learn <laughs> your own bible verse and bring it in and present it without fail without fail it was from revelation i was like what's the motion of the horror babylon yes yep so, so for me it was either that or it was go find like the unicorn shit. Mm-hmm. Like go mm-hmm. find like the ridiculous shit that like this shows people who like take this shit like literally word for word, not whatever. Right. What, yuck your own, yuck your hand, whatever the hell. But yeah. like for me, it's just like there are some people who dive a little bit too deep into the pudding. 
Yeah. I always like the scary stuff in it. Like even Me as too. you know, like all the stuff about like the Nephilim and stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so creepy. And all sometimes right. I'll but... be on TikTok and you'll get these like creepy videos showing you what angels actually look like as described by the Bible. Oh, so... where it's like eyeballs and wings. Yep, yep. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> That's the stuff I like. Uh, uh so I see you have two more here, but I don't know actually anything about these. So I'll tease them and you can fill them in. Is that okay? All right. Yeah, I mean I only only have one more there's two you there's have two? nick cage prefers a different oh title. i do i do i do i do okay. you're right you're right you're right right so what's the different title okay so nick cage does not want to be called an actor so henceforth we shall not be referring to him as the actor nick cage okay with an interview with variety's award circuit podcast he said he has a different title he prefers he prefers to be called a thespian i heard that and it's fantastic i'm okay <laughs> with that so his reasoning behind it makes it sound slightly less, again, up its own butt. <laughs> I, I want to drink with Nick Cage so bad, by the way. I feel like mm-hmm. I want to get like, but like late night drink, not like have a drink. I want to be like, we're in like a dive bar. Yeah. Have too many like rock gut whiskeys. And now we're like getting into it. You don't That's want the 3 p.m. like whiskey that I want with Quentin Tarantino. You want the 2 a.m. You walk into this dive bar and he's the only person sitting there, and like Leonard Skinner is playing on the jukebox. I like, want that's the conversation like, you want. Shitty house red wine, and like both have purple <laughs> teeth, and just like getting into the minutia of life. That's what I want. I want because you know, you know, I don't small talk. Like immediately, I'm like deep, deep. Let's go deep. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I feel like he would be fascinating to go deep with. All right, I agree. But here's what he says. For me, it always implies, oh, he's a great actor. Therefore, he's a great liar, Cage said. He prefers thespian because thespian means you're going into your heart or you're going into your imagination. Again, imagination, clearly a big part, big thing for him. Or your memories or your dreams or you're bringing something and you're bringing something back to communicate with the audience. So, like, this is the push-pull of a Nick Cage news story. (laughs) Is I roll my eyes and then I'm immediately charmed and pulled back in. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's something that's very unique to people like him. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's why he is a national treasure, and also was in National Treasure. It's true, two of them mm-hmm. with John Voight. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and your last story you have here is that he has a interesting inspiration for his role as Renfield. Or Dracula in the Renfield film. I mean, I'm already hype about this movie. I have been aboard the hype train from get-go, choo-choo, whatever. (sighs) Um, But okay, so he's set to star in Renfield, which we've talked about on a previous episode, which is the reimagining of Bram Stoker's classic gothic horror story, um, Mm -hmm. which is also going to star Nicholas Holtz, who's another actor I really enjoy, um, and who can be so funny. So I'm really excited about that. and he, for his role as Drac, uh, has taken inspiration from a surprising choice. But I guess it's Nick Cage, so what do you expect, right? Mm-hmm. So specifically, the, he looked to this character as the source of the inspiration for the way that his vampire will move. So again, speaking with Variety, said, "I want to, I want it to pop in a unique way from how we've ever seen it played." So I'm really thinking to I want to focus on the movement of the character. You know, I saw Malignant. Oh, man. <laughs> and I thought what she did with those moves and even Ringu with Sadako. Uh, I want to look at what 
we can explore with the movement and voice. So he's looking at the ring and Gabriel <laughs> I want, to inspire his body mo- motion. I wonder if he also then is looking at Nosferatu. Oh, I think so. He must be, right? You have to, right? Did you we even talk about to. movement like that? Like that's... Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be very... I mean, although I think he took a lot of inspiration from Nosferatu from Vampire's Kiss, which we have not gotten to yet. I'm excited so about that. That's what I haven't be... seen. Right? So mm-hmm. this will... I've never seen the whole thing. I've seen bits and pieces. Okay. So it, when we watch it, it'll be all together. But I've seen, you know, parts of it. And uh, I'm I'm excited to see what the evolved version of that character is going to be by way of Malignant. <laughs> you have seen Malignant, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. okay. 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 Yeah. Okay, okay. A little bit too predictable for me, but I did like it. Really? Yeah. I kind of called you, all the beats. You saw it. I did not see it coming. So Which, I by the like, way, we'll be discussing amazed. something similar to that later on. Interesting. Yeah, a little bit of tease for everybody there. Interesting. Okay, 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 okay. But so Rachel, that is it for my news stories. Okay. Are you ready to review this film? To say that my body is ready <laughs> is an understatement because I've been holding on to my thoughts and feelings about this movie for longer than I, I like possibly could. I feel like I'm holding like one of the Infinity Stones. <laughs> let's do this. All right, guys. Let's get into our review of The Rock. turn for the film background and i did all of this a week ago so a uh, little i cannot believe the degree of notes that i'm seeing in this doc there's a lot there's a lot and like i, said, I was kind of sick <laughs> when i was putting some of it together too so some of this is just literally taken from wikipedia so thank you for that um <laughs> but let's just kind of get into it so this is a 1996 american action thriller from director michael bay um i unabashedly will fully admit that i like michael bay's movies Okay. Um, Michael Bay, the director, is has come out to be just a creepy douchebag. Um, but Welcome to Hollywood. Yeah, his films like Armageddon, Pearl Harbor, the Transformers series. Um, he has a lane. He has a lane. Yeah, and those are like... I watch Armageddon probably twice a year. And, that, and that, it might be more than that. Do you still cry at the end? Depending upon my yeah. mood, sometimes <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, he co-owns Platinum Dunes, which specializes in horror films. He did the Amityville Horror remake, aka the Ryan Reynolds Thirst Trap, the fr- <laughs> Friday Friday the Thirteenth oh nine, which we haven't gotten that on uh, Here's Johnny yet, and I'm not sure if you see it because I know you're kind of lacking in the Friday realm, yeah, right? I, yeah. Oh, I've seen the first one. Okay. I've seen. The one where he turns into a worm. Yeah. I think that's it. So Friday 09, in my mm-hmm. opinion, is Friday the 13th perfected. 
I think it is the best film in the whole franchise. That is a, I mean, I, I cannot disagree because I have not seen it, but mm-hmm. I will say it is a con. I know from pop, pop, like kind of popular opinion, like that's a controversial opinion. However, yeah. you and I tend to sometimes when there's a controversial opinion, <laughs> we tend to fall on the same side. Yes. Yeah, we, we, we do. And for me, and maybe this is not the time for this, but we can discuss it later. But for me, it just, the, the film fully recognized what made a Friday the 13th and Jason great and just mm-hmm. steered right into it. Okay. That's exciting. And then uh, Platinum News also did the Nightmare on Elm Street 2010 reboot, which is trash. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. This, Sorry about it. Yeah. That not much bad. more to say there. Jackie, Ear- Jackie, Earl Haley, I wanted to like you. Um, mm hmm. He's a great okay. Rorschach. Yeah. He yeah. was a fantastic Rorschach. So it was produced by Don Simpson and Jerry Bruckheimer. Uh, the film was actually dedicated to Simpson, who died five months before the film's release. Simpson and Bruckheimer produced some of the best films of all time, such as Flashdance and Top Gun and Beverly Hills Cop. Um, after Simpson died, Bruckheimer would continue to produce films, and he did amazing films like Enemy of the State, which is one of, like, it's a top ten movie for me of all time. Mm-hmm um bad boys black hawk down another one that i love and national treasure well there we go now we're Uh, talking (laughs) this film was actually nominated for an academy award uh at the 69th academy award ceremony for best sound it lost picture oh no best sound (laughs) uh it lost to the english patient which is blah Mm. i I love you lord voldemort but god i don't like that movie i've tried um so it stars cage he plays uh, Dr. Daniel Stanley Goodspeed. Um, and we'll talk about more about his character, obviously. We mm-hmm, discussed mm-hmm. the plot. We have Sean Connery. Um, yes. Sean Connery recently passed away, um, but I love him. He's my favorite James Bond. Um, he has been in s- such amazing movies. Like, he was in uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Mm-hmm. Uh, Entrapment is another one that I really like of his. What did you and- like about that movie? Uh, I was a, I was a young boy, so <laughs> sorry that was a trap. That was yes, literal was. entrapment. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I don't know. There was just always something about Sean Connery that I loved. He was just see, like to find out he was Bond after knowing him as this like kind of cool grandpa figure. It was really really cool. Mm. Um, it has Ed Harris. Uh, Ed Harris yeah. was in other iconic films such as Apollo thirteen, Truman Show, and Glenn Gary Glenn Ross. Which mm-hmm. I will tell everybody if I get the chance to watch that because it's one of my favorite movies. Um, John Spencer is in this, and he's probably most well known for his role in The West Wing as mm-hmm. Leo McGarry. Yep. David Morse is in this. He's the bad guy in Disturbia, and he's one of the prison guards in The Green Mile. Uh, yep. 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 Totally yep. forgot yep. this one and was shocked to see him. Tony Todd is in this movie. I know this. This movie is a just a smorgasbord of like, hey, it's that guy. Mm-hmm. Well, there's that guy. That's the guy from Scrubs. That's the you know. And that was like, the okay. next one. John C. McGinley's in this film, and that's Doctor Cox. There you go. Doctor Cox <laughs> is in this movie. It's just crazy. And then another um, one. There is a massive oversight in this list though Uh okay i'll I'll do my last one then you can tell me who i forgot then bokeem woodbine uh he was in fargo and he was also shocker in spider-man homecoming who did i forget i i'm i'm like personally offended that you have not discussed the greatest of all the cameos michael bean hicks himself is in this movie i'm staring at his autograph literally right now as we speak 
you are are you googling? Are how dare you? How dare you? Friendship over. Podcast ended. Oh, he was in um, Aliens. Yes, he was Hicks. He's Hicks in Aliens. He was. Uh, so he's uh, the guy. Kyle so he's in Terminator. Well, I, I think I've, I've I think I've told you I haven't seen the. Terminator oh my god, movie, that's right! You haven't seen Terminator. Oh yeah. god. So I, he so I, he was the he was out. the leader of like the the extraction squad, right? Yes. I'm sorry. It's Are you okay. okay. He was. Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna get through it. No, I meant I meant watching him die. Oh no, I was very sad. <laughs> <laughs> In my notes, I'm like more Michael Bean. Are people bullshit? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I, oh no, it's okay. <laughs> I, 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 I I still feel bad that I did not love Aliens as much as Alien. I wanted to. I mean, I I'm. It's wild to me that you didn't because. It has the, a lot of stuff about, about Alien, like the world building. But then it's a total act, 80s action movie. I know. Which are the two things you love. I Chocolate know. and peanut butter together. Magic I, happens. I know. I, I wonder it. if it was just like too much pressure to like it. And if you just revisited <laughs> it. It could be. I mean, that happens sometimes. If somebody like really pushes me to like something, I'll yeah. get like extra like standoffish about it. So I wonder if like in a few years, if you revisit it just on its own, if you'll be like, you know what? I like this more than I remember. Okay. That could happen. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's more of a chance of that happening than me going back and watching The Exorcist and being like, this is actually a good movie. But that's for <laughs> another time. Wow. I know. <laughs> Shot on a budget of $75 million. It grossed over $335 million at the box office. And there was a ton of drama Ooh. surrounding the script in the Screenwriters Guild. And I tried to understand it, but I really couldn't get it. But basically, this script had a bunch of different writers who had helped along the way, including the likes of Aaron Sorkin and Quentin Tarantino. Wild. And, like, there was just fighting going back and forth. And it seemed, like, I, I, I tried to understand it, but basically it seemed like, I'm not a Hollywood person, I don't understand a lot of this stuff, but, like, when like scripts get written and people get brought in to write and like who gets credit for the rewrites and who gets credit for the main thing. Like it's like a lot of like issues were arising from that. Mm-hmm. So there's a whole lot out there you can read about it, but I didn't understand it well enough to feel like I could talk about it. So okay. there's that. Uh, it was Nick Cage's idea that Stanley Goodspeed never swore. <laughs> <laughs> like, did he ever swear? Uh, I think he does I feel at like the he very end. One, I mean, he, yeah, I, think I knew he's, yeah. yeah. I, I, I no, think no, no. At the I... very end. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay. So this is some of the stuff that I kind of took right from Amazon, because, you know, Amazon, uh, Wikipedia, because it was well <laughs> written. So thank you, Wikipedia, and God bless the internet. There were tensions during shooting between director Bay and Walt Disney Studios, who were supervising production on the commentary track for the Criterion Collection DVD. Bay recalls a time when he was preparing to leave the set for a meeting with the executives when he was approached by Sean Connery in golfing attire. Connery, who also (laughs) produced the film, asked Bay where he was going, and when Bay explained he had a meeting with the execs, Connery asked if he could accompany him. Bay complied, and when he arrived in the conference room, the executive jaws dropped when they saw Connery appear behind him. According to Bay, Connery then stood up for Bay and insisted he was doing a good job and they should leave him alone. Mm, All right. Most of the film is... Bros helping bros. Yes. Sean Connery believing in his director's vision, which I think is pretty cool. 
Yeah. Most of the film was shot in location in the Alcatraz prison on Alcatraz Island. As it is governed by the National Park Service, it was not possible to close Alcatraz down, and much of the filming had to accommodate tour parties going around the island. The scene in which FBI director Womack is thrown off the balcony was filmed on location at the Fairmont Hotel in San Fran. The filming led to numerous calls to the hotel people who saw a man dangling from the balcony. (laughs) The film's closing scene was shot outside the historic Sacred Heart Mission Church in Santa Coy, California. Hmm. At one point, Rachel Arnold Schwarzenegger was supposed to play Dr. Stanley Goodspeed. Shut up! (laughs) This would have been a very different movie. Yep, uh, and Arnold turned it down because he didn't like the script. Yeah, because he would have been such a great fit otherwise. Can you imagine him being trying to be the, like, every man who's, like, a little scared to go into the action? Mm-mm. No. <sighs> no. 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 Oh, my gosh. No. It's like, no, I, I, I sit here and do science in my glass box. <laughs> <laughs> also, can you imagine him having, like, a PhD? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh god i love you arnold okay so now we're going to get into some heavy stuff so i'll be ready for that okay all right a scene from the film was the basis for incorrect and false descriptions of the iraqi chemical weapons program britain's uh... secret intelligence service was led to believe saddam hussein was continuing to produce weapons of mass destruction by a false agent who based his report on this movie according to the shilohat inquiry yup in september 2002 MI6 chief Sir Richard Dearlove said the agency had acquired information from a new source revealing that Iraq was stepping up production of chemical and biological warfare agents. The source, who was said to have direct access, claimed senior staff were working seven days a week while the regime was concentrating a great deal on the effort of of production of anthrax. Dearlove told the chairman of the Joint Intelligence Committee, Sir John Scarlett, that they were on the edge of a significant intel breakthrough, which could be the key to unlock Iraq's weapon program. However, questions were raised about the agency's claims when it was noticed his description bore a striking resemblance to the scene of, to a scene of this film. It was pointed out that the glass containers were not typically used in chemical munitions and that a popular movie, The Rock, had inaccurately depicted nerve agents being carried in glass beads or spheres, the Chilcot report stated. By February 2003, a month before the invasion of Iraq, MI6 concluded that their source had been lying over a period of time but failed to inform uh, 10 others. Uh, but failed to inform others, even though UK Prime Minister Tony Blair had been briefed on this intelligence. According to The Independent, the false claims of weapons and mass destruction were the justification for the UK's entering the war. Shit, that's dark. I told that you we were going to go there. really grim. And also, it's good <coughs> to know that being on the dumbest timeline did actually not just start in 2016. <laughs> it has predated that. The, the dumbest. Film's... We've always been on the dumbest timeline, apparently. <laughs> the film's <laughs> co-writer, David Weisberg, said what was so amazing was anybody in the poison gas community would immediately know that this was total bullshit. Such obvious bullshit. Weisberg said he was unsurprised a desperate agent might resort to the films for inspiration, but dismayed that authorities didn't do apparently the most basic fact-checking or vetting of information. If you just asked a chemical weapons expert, it would have been immediately obvious it was ludicrous, Weisberg said. Uh, And he had some funny emails after the report, but he felt it was 
not a nice legacy for the film. It's tragic that we went to war. Yeah, that would be heavy to carry. I mean, like, obviously, it's not Michael's Michael Bay's fault that it was his, the movie was exploited, but like, exactly. even just being a part of that would there would put a bad taste in your mouth to say the least. Yeah, it, I I didn't know that, and like, I always kind of thought like it was like like in my head like a joke, but to read that it actually happened was just like what. The movie's so ridiculous and bombastic, and that's part of its charm. You can't help but believe that these people are either total fucking morons or just so cynical they assume that we yep. are. I think it's the film... a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and to end on a more lighter note, the film was okay. selected for a limited edition DVD release by the Criterion Collection, a distribu- distributor of primarily art house films it categorizes as important classic and temporary and cinema at its finest in an essay supporting the selection of the rock roger ebert who was strongly critical of most of bay's later films gave the film three and a half out of four stars calling it an action picture that rises to the top of the genre because of a literate witty screenplay and skilled craftsmanship and direction and special effects in june 2017 michael bay discussed his idea for a follow-up to the rock that never developed past the concept that it would follow mason being chased by the government so like the fugitive but with john connery which we just don't need which we don't need i mean that's not the character to follow that's all i'm gonna say (laughs) no i mean he's interesting and i love sean connery but we're here for dr stanley goodspeed i'm gonna say something controversial let's hear it is he the worst part of the movie connery yeah we now, I'm not saying he's bad. I know. We're going to save that for acting. We're going to save that for acting. All right. Okay. 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 I think okay. that is okay. a very okay. interesting question. Uh, <laughs> do, you, do you want to give a quick plot synopsis? Oh, shit. I did not prepare one. Um, no, no. You don't have to. It's not going to be prepared. Okay. It's like a quick like okay. rundown. Okay. Okay. So, hold on. Let me. Can I pull the IMDB up just so I can have a Yeah, of course. Of course. Of course. Of course. Sorry. If, if you don't want to, I've seen this so many times, I can do it right now. Do you want me to get a try and then you can tell it better? Perfect. <laughs> we can do like yeah. my version and then your version. <laughs> Tag team. I love it. Okay. <laughs> Let me pull it up. Okay. I'm going to do my best. All right. So this movie right. opens with Ed Harris's character, General Francis Hummel, um, declaring that he has to, you know, at the great, his wife's grave, that he has to do something to catch the government's attention. And what he's going to do is to take a bunch of rockets full of Nazi gas and take over the rock and point at them at the United, at, at San Francisco. So then the government's like, that's a bad idea. We don't want that. So we have to stop that from happening. So they enlist the help of a chemical chemical experts or chemical scientist, whatever, a, a science guy, uh, Stanley Godspeed, uh, played by our, our king, Nicolas Cage, and uh, the thespian. The thespian, correct. <laughs> and uh, because they're getting onto the rock and, you know, Ed Harris's character is the greatest general in all of Vietnam, the Vietnam War, they need so the one person who secretly managed to escape the rock. So they bring in Sean Connery, who's been locked up because he's an SAS agent that wouldn't give up the goods. And together they along with Michael Bean's handsome self and some other people, they <laughs> break into the rock. It's amazing. Um, and it is amazing. He, they have to, like, everybody gets killed in a firefight except for Mason and Godspeed. And they are slinking around the rock, finding the rockets and disarming them. 
Um, at the end, Ed Harris has a change of heart. He realizes that he's done the wrong thing because he's had to watch all of his brother's soldiers die. Um, but the mercenaries that he brought in, led by Tony Todd, decide, no, they they have the bloodlust boner and they want the money. So they're going to set off the rockets anyway. So then they battle to the death. And at the last minute, Stanley is able to disarm all the rockets and uh, San Francisco doesn't get blown up. And uh, he lets Mason go because they're bros. The end. Was that good? How did I yeah, do? That was very that was very good. You went into more detail than I thought. Okay. Uh, the only thing I would <laughs> This is uh, a plot heavy fill... movie, okay? <laughs> it really is. Yeah. The, the only kind of things I would fill in is that Ed Harris is a decorated war hero. Yes. Who did a lot of black op missions for the government. Oh, right. His his motivation, yes. And the reason why he did it was never really to threaten or get money from the government. It was he wanted the families of soldiers who led these black op missions and who the families had been lied to about why they died or where they died or compensated properly for the manner in which they died. Mm-hmm. He wanted that to come out. Yes. Yep. I forgot and... that part. Sorry. No, don't be sorry. No. And I think that makes it a very unique kind of story mm-hmm. because... It doesn't, because then Ed Harris's character isn't just this bad guy, right? It's like there is, there's respect for him from his men, and also from the people who he's blackmailing. Right. Um, he's a man of the honor. Only, yes. <laughs> there's a lot of men of say, honor in this movie. <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> oh boy, have you seen the movie Men of Honor? No. With, uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. No. And um. I think it's Gene. No, and it's it's a De Niro. I think it's De Niro or Gene Hackman. Yeah. Opposite Cuba Gooding Jr. Oof. Huh. It's about the first black Navy diver. I mean, that's great. That's an important story, but I do it's tend to movie. avoid those movies. <laughs> <laughs> Does it have Nick Cage in it? <laughs> no, okay, no. Okay. Then I probably uh, and then the only other thing I would say is at the end of this movie, um, Nick Cage, the time crunch comes because the government has decided well, we're not going to tell our secrets and pay these people who deserve what they deserve. Right. We're just going to blow up and kill uh, not only the terrorists, but the innocent hostages. Yeah. yeah. Because how, how dare we spend a couple million dollars and pay back these families and admit that we're monsters at times. We're just going to kill everybody. Which uh, it feels very believable. Very cynical for this With, time. Because this is the 90s. I know, the... So I feel like it wasn't as cynical a time as it is now. So I think if you were to go back and watch bay's movies Mm -hmm. i don't think he likes republican presidents or presidents in general interesting like he is in the transform movie there's a scene where he's critical of like bush Mm. and like army and like and like some of the speeches are like made like this the speech president gives like maybe it's meant to be like kind of moving but at the same time like when you think about it for more than like two seconds it's like this president is acting like he's doing something so great when Literally, all he had to do was just come out and, like, stop lying to these families. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Like, that's it. Like, I don't know. I, I, I've i always wondered it. I haven't ever found anything about it, but I've always wondered if... Because if, if Bay kind of, like, hates that, like... Because he always has, like, the American flag and, the, like, all the, the American stuff in it. But I always get this feeling that there's, like, some cynicism hidden underneath of it. Mm-hmm. 
but that's for a different kind of conversation. But uh, the other thing I was going to say you, that we should definitely talk about is that the time crunch comes because they're going to blow up the island, and Nick Cage gets it off in time, does his famous fire pose with the flares in the air, gets blown up, but he's okay, and then he says that Sean Connery's character got evaporated out to sea, which just allows uh, Sean Connery to finally be free. Mm-hmm. Yes. So plot. Plot. I love it. <laughs> um, as someone who has worked with the Nazi gas that you were describing, uh, VX gas, um, I kind of got the feel the full cycle. The full cycle, like I want, always wanted to do science because of this movie. Like I always thought it was cool to see someone like Nick Cage, who was kind of nerdy, um, be able to kind of be involved with these m- much more typically masculine adventures. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I always loved that. Um, I think growing up and like watching it more as I got older and being more critical of my government and seeing that this isn't really something that's tug in cheek. This is something that's actually happening. Um, that added a lot of layers to it mm-hmm. to me. And I also like the fact that we really don't have, there are no like bad guys in this like like you're purely evil Mm, i feel like you could argue that the the mercenaries and um uh the fbi director are (laughs) yeah are maybe are yeah they are because it's interesting because this movie one of the things it does that's interesting in the plot is it plays with who you think the villains are um yes and the big bad is actually not that bad he's actually a good person he just maybe took some steps yeah, he was he he thought that doing this was going to be enough to shake the government into showing the proper respect to these people who he led to battle and buried, you know, yeah. and like the fact that his wife is dead, he finally felt free to do this without putting anybody he loved at risk, you know. At least that's always the vibe I got from it. Yeah, I mean, I think um, it, Merc- I think it's clear that he definitely feels like the reason he's doing it is justified, but I do think that there is a little bit of a cautionary tale about like um yeah. hiding behind or not hiding but like doing things for the sake of patriotism it's not as clear yeah. cut and i think he definitely learns that lesson in the movie so the takeaway is a little complicates that idea a little bit in a way that i thought was yeah. interesting yeah i mean it's one of the reasons we talked about it before it's one reason why i like tulsi gabbard in the lead up to the 2020 election was because like i didn't know the other stuff about her till you and i talked about it <laughs> but her her big stance of like she was in the military but she called out a lot of the inventionist shit mm-hmm. which like i really agree with like yeah. i don't i have less friends now now that i'm getting older but i had a lot of friends who went overseas and like died or almost died yeah for what right oh no you i know? agree you and i are on the same page and, about and, and, this yeah and, and, and that's always been something that's really resonated with me um whenever a politician who actually feels like means that means that. Um, but then the other thing too, is that throughout all of that, we kind of have this father son dynamic between Cage and Connery. Mm-hmm. Um, Connery being this grizzled, but locked up and kind of out of touch British secret agent, almost Bondy, if you will. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and then we have Cage, who is kind of this new age, laid back, like, listening to the Beatles, going to marry his pregnant girlfriend, like, chill kind of guy. Doesn't really under- 
<laughs> continue, continue. Uh, yes, and um, I always kind of liked that too. I liked the mentor-mentee relationship. I don't even know. Like the father-son dynamic. I'm not sure you want to call it, but I liked the dynamic between the two of them. It's kind of like that, um, what is it, like cub and wolf and like something in cub lone wolf and cub uh-huh. dynamic okay that's what it is to me okay um which is like this because he's like totally sean connery is totally like the lone wolf and yeah and in a way you're right like he there is sort of like a, a minty sort of thing that happens here but there's also kind of that initial tension between them that like grows to mutual respect. i've never I've never heard that lone wolf and cub thing before, oh, but when that it, is very well at describing a lot of relationships yes. in movies. I mean, it's definitely a trope. It's a trope that I it works for me every time. I'm a sucker. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I, I never one. realized it until you said it, but yes, mm-hmm. yes, absolutely. Yeah, it's like it's like yeah. up. Yes, a hundred percent a lone wolf and and cub story it works every time <laughs> yeah. it, it is a winning it does. formula for me it like tugs at my heart always yeah yeah it hits the right button <laughs> uh um, excuse me a, a last of us that's a lone wolf and cub oh wow. uh, i mean like yes, all the ones is. that like really get you in the feels there's a chance there's a lone wolf and cub at the center <laughs> wow yeah okay rachel opening my mind here <laughs> but yeah that's one of the reasons why i like it mm-hmm. is, be- is because of that yeah. Yeah. And then, and like you said, it's like there's complicated relationships between all these characters with the exception of Nick Cage. Like, Nick Cage is like your, your like benign good character mm-hmm. the whole time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, He's like everything yeah. that he does is like good. Mm-hmm. Like, in the beginning, when the, when the baby doll, he keeps his mind straight, he saves all the people from dying. When he finds out his girlfriend got pregnant. And he's like, okay, we'll get married. Like, it kind of caught me off guard. Like, the world's a terrible place, but if you're pregnant, like, okay, let's get married. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like all these times where he's presented an option to be bad or to be selfish or to do, like, the wrong thing, he never does mm-hmm. it. And maybe it's naive, but it's refreshing. <laughs> there is something very, like, it, it, like cozy about that character, right? Like, I think we, yeah. especially now, live in this state of perpetual gray and like, mm-hmm. do I think that the? Thank you, Tony Soprano. <laughs> oh, is that a Tony Sopranoism? Did I quote it without even realizing I, I, it? I, I, f- I firmly believe, and this is something we can discuss at a much length at another time. That Tony Soprano's anti-hero, but like we love him, but he's a bad guy. But like, but we want to be like mm-hmm. him, but he's a bad guy. He's a fan. Like, I feel like that changed everything. Yeah, I think that showed that you could have complicated characters. Yeah, I don't. It, did that predate the shield? Because that's another one I remember being like, kind of like the birth. Ooh, see, I was more of a wire person, and I'm not sure where those two fell within each within each other. I mean, I I watched all of the above, but I don't remember which one came first. Yeah. But I remember that yeah, character I. being kind of like the evil character you rooted for. Yep. Which we'll get into when we get into Yellow Jackets, I bet. <laughs> Mm-hmm. We'll be talking about anti-heroes again. Um, but yeah, I mean, there is something kind of wholesome about his character, I guess is the word I'm looking for. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, and I think sometimes it's okay. Like, I, I do think that 
there's a danger of seeing the world as good versus evil and that like the grays are really important but i also feel like there are times where having sort of like a wholesome moment with a character like this like you kind of need it and i think nick cage well, pulls that's... it off in a way that is very different and like saves it from going into like a saccharine place Especially in a movie like this where you, like, are really questioning, like, every single character's motives. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I think you have a good point. I think the characters who could be most easily categorized as, like, evil would be the FBI director. Mm -hmm. But I think if you gave him the benefit of the doubt, you could kind of justify a little bit of his badness. Like, I don't agree with it. But I think there is a case that could be made. And the same is for the mercenaries. Mm -hmm. It's like, you didn't tell us that this was a bluff. Like, we gave up our careers because we believed in you and believed what you were saying you were doing and we were going to get paid. So, like, fuck you. Like, we're not just going to go sneak off and live in squalor. Like, we're going to show them we aren't joking around and you can either get on. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so they're definitely far more evil than the other people. But, again, like, I feel like all these other characters are kind of complex mm -hmm. with the exception of Cage. Like, Cage is, like, Stanley Goodspeed is a good he's dude godspeed he is just yeah a, yeah he's just a yep, good godspeed dude. he is <laughs> he is just a good man and i feel like having that anchor point allows the other characters around him to kind of float mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. definitely it's so funny because i i was telling you that i'd seen this movie before and i remember really liking uh -huh. it but if you had put a gun to my head i could not have told you the plot of the movie Oh, no. I didn't remember it. So it was like a first it watch. It was like a first watch. I didn't even know that Nick Cage was one of the main characters. I thought he was a side character. Oh. Yeah. How lucky for you. Yeah, it was like a first watch for me. Everything was new. Every character that showed up, I was like, what? I knew I knew Nick Cage was a scientist <laughs> because you had talked about what, how influential this movie was on you. I wouldn't have been able uh -huh. to pull that out of my ass prior, otherwise. Like, that's how much I didn't remember this movie. I knew it took place on the, on Alcatraz, and I can remember a scene where people were coming out of, like, a grate in the ground, end of yeah. my knowledge. Yeah, <laughs> the, that was the it. shower hall. That yeah. was it. So it was a delight to discover that he is your main character. Because even if you look at the mm -hmm. poster, he's not front and center, you know? No. So I was like, wait a minute. We're just, yeah. like, spending all of our time with him, and I am having a great time, and I'm glad we are. <laughs> So you liked it? Oh then. no, I, I love this movie. I love okay, this movie. Good. good, good, good. Yeah, this is this is a, um, this is such a fun, fun, stupid movie, and I love it. Do you have any? So let's, we did a lot of pros. Do you have any cons with the plot? I mean, I have. Oh, here, so here's my thoughts on the plot. Okay, first of all, <laughs> boy. Let's just say I'm going to need to shave my chest after watching this movie from the sheer testosterone that is beaming at me from my TV. This is a manly movie for sure. This is a manly movie. This yes. may be the most action movie action movie that has ever existed, which is <laughs> therefore makes it excellent, right? Because it is infinitely successful in, in doing what it set out to do. And do you think this is more actiony than Con Air or Face? -off? I don't know. We'll, we'll find out when I rewatch them. But as okay, of okay, this okay, moment, okay. this is the most action okay. movie. I, I, okay, I every week I'll change my mind. But I, I this one is just. <laughs> I mean, I think there's. Yeah, we'll get into it when we get into the other ones. But okay, okay, okay. Um, like, does does the plot make sense? No. <laughs> does anyone behave like an actual <laughs> human throughout the entire runtime? No. 
But it is the most delicious, tasty, nutrition-free cheese I have ever tasted. It is Velveeta, <laughs> and I fucking love it. And that is, like, we were talking a little bit earlier about, like, how I like Michael Bay's films. Mm-hmm. And I think the reason why is he takes this outlandish shit. Like, think about Armageddon mm-hmm. or even his take of Pearl Harbor. Mm-hmm. These outran- outlandish storylines that just make no sense. Like, if I were to sit at a bar and say, I'm going to have a movie where Sean Connery and Nick Cage break into Alcatraz to go fight this general who's trying to chemically attack a Oakland Raiders game. <laughs> with Nazi gas. <laughs> With, with 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 the Nazi gas, uh, you're gonna laugh me out and say you're you're high, but you're also but like, gonna get my there, ticket sale. <laughs> but there's just something about the way Michael Bay. We'll get to some more in directing. There's just something about the way he takes this that just makes it palatable. I don't think it's just him. I think it's the stellar cast. I think it's the soundtrack. I think it's all of it. Like this is just like you said. It's just a. It is a lovely two hours. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have you're some thoughts, ta- but mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, like you're you're not taking home deeper meaning. Like you, you can go into some of it. Like I like I did a little bit, right? Like there is, there is some there, but there's not like there there. Like they're not diving into anything. No, I mean, I think there is a it, little like a thread of cynicism in it, but I actually like that about it. Yeah. So. I, I really don't have any cons. I, like, I'm going to tell you right now, when we are in these 90s cage movies, like Snake Eyes and Con Air and Face Off and all these, like, I just love them. So, like, there's not going to be a That's whole fair. lot there for me. And I think I'm going to be um, mostly especially there since, with you. Yeah. Which is, which is fine, but it's also the reason why I think we kind of did this as a little less critical of a podcast. Yeah. So we didn't have, unless it's, like, really bad, <laughs> like a Scream 3 I mean... where it's hard A.K.A. Harvey Weinstein's confession letter. There are some things in this movie that have not aged well. Hit me with it. Okay, so the first one I think fits in plot. The other one I think we'll have to wait for when we get into acting and characters. Okay. But, ooh, the treatment of women in this movie. Ooh, it's bad. Are there even any women in this movie besides Cage's girlfriend? The daddy-daughter issues in this movie are Oh, okay, okay. And between the, the... intensity of the sexy baby and the troubled like relationship with the daughter (coughs) like it this movie has a very particular idea of the kinds of roles that women play in these like men's law in men's lives like what their roles are and they are to be sexy to be babies and and infantile and also to serve as plot devices and motivation period no no agency no internal life no like emotional maturity nothing and that would also be a michael bay trope <laughs> yeah right yeah it's it's egregious and i think probably if i went back and watched transformers again it would be hard to watch the mm-hmm. megan fox stuff it would be really really hard so that i will say is a little bruce willis's tough. daughter you know yeah Liv tyler yeah oh my when the sexy baby God. stuff was so uncomfortable like that sex scene yeah. was 
Like I want to, I want a Nick Cage sex scene to be hot. I'm very attracted to Nick Cage. <laughs> so when it is ruined by a pigtailed baby bouncing on his lap while he calls her naughty, naughty. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I don't mean to kill you. <laughs> My no, it's okay. <laughs> like that is hard for me. That is tough. That is tough. That I'm gonna. Yeah, I always just roll my eyes. That's like this is stupid. I, I guess, but, but yeah. Between that yeah. and then also the daughter who shows up for like one minute to just be a plot device and motivation for Mason's character, I was like, we and we never see her again. She's like stage left and never again. So those are some. As much as I have things I absolutely love about the movie, like I have to be honest and be like, this shit was rough. This was rough for me. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll probably talk about that again directing because that is, that's a bay thing. Yeah. <laughs> that's a bay He's thing. He's like, bay, bay. Like all my girls. Bay <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. let's get into some good stuff. <laughs> Acting. Okay. Um, Nick Cage is my favorite character this whole oh, movie. Oh, duh. Hands come down. On, it's not on, even close. On, like there are some good characters, but it's Cage above 100%. all else. 100%. A hundred percent. And it's crazy because there's a lot of amazing actors in this. Yeah. It's so funny because it's like but, Ed Harris is in a different movie, which is fine because it serves his character. But like he, everybody else is like tongue and cheeking and that he is fucking serious. There is zero camp to his performance. Zero. It's like him bro. and Morse are like 110% in like straight up like soldier mode. Uh-huh. And everyone else is like, we know what movie we're in. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Everybody else is camping it. Like Tony Todd is camp. Even Sean mm-hmm. Connery is camp. Michael Bean is camp. Uh, may, like the FBI agent camp, camp, camp. And then along comes a few good men in the middle of this movie. <laughs> I mean, it, it's great because it serves the character, but it is striking how serious, like mm-hmm. even his sidekick camp, but he is just Yeah, that's like, what I was saying. Yeah, that's, that's what I was talking about too. Yeah, the two of them. Uh, are just very, yeah, yeah. I mean, I love different it, kind of movie, but it's it's a different. He's from a different movie. Well, it's similar to Killer Clowns, I would say, for me. Sentences I was not expecting. Continue. So, Killer Clowns is obviously like I. I'm not a very big B movie fan, but for some reason that movie like hits me the right way. It's great. I mean, one of the things I like about it is the sheriff. Mm -hmm. Is the sheriff is almost like in a different kind of movie. Like, he's mean, he's vicious, he's not camping it up. He's just like dark and mean and rude and awful. And so when you get a little bit of comedy from him when he's dead, right? Uh Like, it fits the movie. But before that, it's just like his role is just so different than everything else around him. Yeah. And I and it kind of in, not endears is the wrong word, but it makes you like that performance yeah. a lot. He's going for it, and it's the, <laughs> yeah, and, and it's the reason why I think Ed Harris is probably my second favorite character in this movie mm. because it gives a lot of weight to me. Again, the Michael Bean erasure. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> like, but the thing is, like, I, I guess I didn't realize that was Hicks, but I do agree with you because that's another part that I like is this. And, and even their confrontation with each other and, like, how the soldiers who are working for Ed Harris, like, Dr. Cox and all of them, like, the, except for the mercenaries, which are led by Tony Todd, like, there's a different kind of vibe, right? 
they don't want to hurt people. They aren't trying to hurt people. They're trying, like, what they think that they're doing is ultimately a good. Mm -hmm. And I love that because you have so much camp around it and, like, jokes around it, especially between Cage and Connery. Like, you'll go from, like, these dirty jokes that Connery will do every once in a while, right? Mm -hmm. Where he stabs a guy in the throat or whatever. And... Or, like, some of Cage's lines, which are just hilarious. Oh, my God. And Cage's like, lines. Oh, my God. <laughs> and, it, and it's just anchored by, like, this... I'm not going to say Oscar-worthy performance, but this, like, 110% effort from Ed Harris of, like, being this Marine general who is fed up that his government has betrayed and lied the men who died for mm-hmm. him. I think it's essential, though, because if you're going to have that heel turn where you're, like, supposed to, in the end, kind of get on board with, like, that his his intentions were good, I think if he had camped yeah. it up and or, like, twirled his mustache even once, yes. that heel turn would not work. I agree. Mm-hmm. I agree wholeheartedly. Yeah. yeah. Um, And then my third character, who is up there for me, is I like Womack, the FBI I mean, he's great as evil son of a bitch. He's great. Yes! It's just, like, this always, like, just, like, mean and, like, patronizing and just, like, a douche. And the way he interacts with Connery, it's just... A man of no honor who tears up that pardon. I know. He's a great sort of counterbalance to the the Ed Harris character. It reminds you of the government who's, like, trying to save the day really isn't the good guy. Right. Maybe we are the baddies. <laughs> yeah. <Yes. laughs> Have you ever seen that skit? Uh-huh. That's so good. Yeah. So let's talk about Connery. Okay. Here, Let's return to my question. Is Connery the worst part of this movie? And then, so I don't even have a lot of cons for this movie. Uh-huh. <clears throat> Just a Sean con? Uh, <laughs> I... Hmm. I love Sean Connery. I know. This is probably the first movie I saw with Sean Connery in it, to be very, very honest. Like, I definitely saw this in League of Extraordinary Gentlemen before I saw the Bond movies. Mm, Okay. Easily. However, growing up and watching this movie as often as I do, um, I feel like this role could have been played by a different actor better. Mm, mm Mm-hmm. Because I have a hard time not seeing this as him ripping or riffing off of James Bond. Right. And for me, that gets old after a while. Yeah. Um, and I don't know that he pulls off the comedic lines very well. No, it, it's... Whereas, like, it's just effortless with Nick Cage. Like, when yeah. Sean Connery does it, I'm just kind of like, oh, it's like a... It reminds me of, like, like... A dickhead dad. <coughs> Like a yeah, and there's grandpa. like two, <laughs> and, and, and there's two actors who I think like could have played this role in a much more unique Ooh, way. Who? One was too one was too young when it happened, okay. but Gary Oldman. Okay, interesting, interesting. He, he he he's too young, but I think about a lot of the characters he's played like over time, and I feel like he can he has just so much diversity in his range of acting, yes. like from like The Fifth Element or Lost in Space, or Harry Potter, or wherever you want to go with it. Like, there's just so much variety he can bring. True where I feel romance. Like he can give... Yes, that's right. <laughs> where he can 
he can give you those like really serious moments but if you need a comedic punch he's there with yeah. it mm-hmm. I, I yeah i definitely the, he is he is an actor's actor i love i love Gary and the other one michael kane interesting that I is interesting lot. yeah i i think he could have done this role just as well as connery if not better that's interesting. I mean, he would bring like a gentlemanliness to it. Yes. Like he, I think Connery plays it a little feral, and I I think Kane would do something different that would be interesting. Like I think about his role in like obviously Nolan's Batman trilogy, or in the 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 other Nolan film with the uh, the magic. Oh, the Prestige. The Prestige. Great movie. Underappreciated. And like. Yes. Um, it's actually my friend Kyle's favorite movie, and I watched it for the first time, I think, last year or two years ago, and I was blown it's away. Amazing. David Bowie, um, so good in it. Mm-hmm. And I, I think, I, I don't know, it's just that it's hard not to feel like Connery was trying to get the last of Bond out of his system in this. You know who would be great? Present day Harrison Ford. Oh wow, yeah. Oh man, yeah. Because he That'd would be have he brings the grump. Mm-hmm. The other one too, who like I really want to see in just everything, and I hope he actually ends up being the new Bond. Idris Elba. I mean, he could do anything. I don't care. He could do whatever <laughs> he wants. <laughs> yeah, I I For fell me, in love with him. To with... me, all all <laughs> all options are. I, I I fell in love with him in The Wire, and then ever since then, mm-hmm. like whenever I get a chance to see him in something, it's just because again. Think about his character in The Wire or in Suicide Squad, and then think about him in The Office. Yeah. No, he's fantastic. He's fantastic. I'd love him. I would love to see him be both. And I think, yes, and I think that is the big thing, because even, it's been a long time since I've seen it, but even Entrapment just feels like Connery's biggest weakness is that comedy. Mm-hmm. His is more like a tongue-in-cheek, like the old like the James Bond style of comedy, like the really dry kind of bits, you know what I mean? But not... Is that the word you're looking for? That's a a word. That's a (laughs) word that could be used well. I mean, don't get me wrong. I I grew up loving all those James Bond movies. I watched them all. It's probably why I love things like The Rock so much now. But... Yeah. yeah. That's the word. That that is probably the word for it. Okay. So so yes, it's like I, I I do love Connery. I think especially diving into this more and reading more about it, that this film wouldn't have happened without Connery mm-hmm. because of how much Disney was like, "What the fuck are you? This is dark. Like, what are you doing? Like, there's blood. Like, like there was so much pushback from Disney that I think without the caliber of Connery being there as a producer and as like one of your leads, that you probably couldn't have gotten away with it. Mm-hmm. So I'm grateful for that, mm-hmm. but at the same time. If there was a person I would recast gun to head, I think Connery would be the first one I would recast. Yeah. Yeah. And then the only other con I have is what you brought up, I guess, with plot is, uh, yeah, the the baby stuff. Yeah. I have another con for this. (laughs) The femme, I don't mind femme fatale, but the. Yeah, because she's a grown up. The Michael, the Michael Bebe stuff is. A femme fatale is above yeah. all a grown ass woman. Yeah, it's Catwoman. Yeah, 
Yeah. I mean, when you're compare when you're combining baby and sexuality, I get grossed the fuck out. I get totally squid squigged out. Oh, you don't yeah. like anime? Yeah, some of it, some of it, not so much. <laughs> okay. All right, what's your other comment? All right, so I'm going to say positive things first, which is I think this is this may be, and we'll see as part of our experiment here, but I think this might be peak Nick Cage because he's still straddling that line, like the knife's edge of that line between his two modes, right? Just He's just yep. perfect. He's, his line delivery is odd. It is unhinged in the way that only he can do it and make it work. But there's still yep. some parts of him that are tethered to sanity here. Um, mm-hmm. And and I think if this is where he – this is his, like, sweetest spot, right? Where you can feel the madness beneath the surface, but it's not so wacky that you're like, okay, now we're just in – bizarro land which is great for the right movie don't get me wrong i love all phases of nick cage but this is the place where he finds this kind of sweet spot between those two things and i think he's just barely manages but he does pull off the everyman and thrust into an action hero situation that i you know i don't know that other places in his career he could have done as well so it's kind of like this perfect combination of right person right time right approach and it's just crazy because, like, Con Air came out so close to this. And then Con Air went to believe that he's, like, a spec ops. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> I can't. This journey is so exciting. So then. The, <laughs> I think Ed Harris is great. As we've talked about, more Michael Bean, R.E.P. That's some bullshit. Tony Todd was super. I mean, he was. talk about mustache twirling like he had like (laughs) a handlebar mustache of like he there were like handlebar twirling i want my fucking money sir and then his (laughs) glorious exit from the film is i know incredible um okay so now i gotta talk about a bad thing okay this is where this movie kind of lost me completely for a few minutes where i was like i'm having a bad i'm not just having a like this is uncomfortable time i'm having a bad time right now Okay. And that is the introduction, thank you, 2003 or whenever this came out, of the gay stylist. Okay. So this was 96? <sighs> yes. Yeah, so even by 96, the standards, this is gross and regressive um, because not only is it a like a stereotype of like prissy gay men, um, it, the, the movie really takes pains to draw a line between manly hetero men and homos and it's clear that the homos are meant they're they're a joke their existence their affectations everything about them is a joke and uh it's really nasty and cruel in the way that it treats its gay care it's one sole gay character and it's a total shit sandwich in the middle of a delicious cheesy fondue that i just want to fucking enjoy uh and i'm so it's a pickle on your cheeseburger yeah yeah it is an unwelcome pickle on my cheeseburger and it's a shame because i i I can't lie i i'd be lying if i said it didn't to some degree sour some of the experience for me and it's like right before this incredible action beat where like san francisco's getting blown up and like people are being dangled from from hotels like these these are the moments that i was here for i want to enjoy it but like i just hate that part of the 90s and i hate that part of like hetero male culture to just be like so shitty about gay people and that was the performance by a straight actor it just 
I hated it. I oh, actor was straight. What? The actor's straight. Isn't he? I don't know. I believe so. Oh, well, I, I mean, I, I trust you. I, I didn't know. I didn't know. But yeah, so that was that was tough for me. Cause I mean, cause it is not. It's like now when we wa- go back and we watch movies from like the fifties and we see like how fucking oh, yeah. racist they are. Like this is that level. And misogynist. Yes, this is that like level of blatant hom- like homophobia for me, which is really yes. I, it was okay. very upsetting. It bummed me out. I mean, fortunately, the movie recovers. We move past this. I'm back on board with Nick Cage. He's stealing people's bikes and feeling very bad about it. And I'm on board with that. But, like, it is – that is the more so even mm. than the two women. Like, I, I hate this, like, super homophobic character. Interesting. Okay, so – And I'm just thinking about all the gay men that were on, on – like on the set that day, putting makeup on all these like macho men and doing their hair and being laughed at and made fun of. Hmm. Yeah, it's shitty. Okay, so I am not questioning your interpretation of it at all, and I also I've told you before it's like I kind of turned you for a better insight into this because you are, as far as I'm concerned, if you consider me a scientist, I consider you a professional in this area. So <laughs> that's just how it is. Professional so, homosexual so, 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 Rachel so, so, Chateau. That's not, so I don't. I don't care. I, you can call me that. Like I've been called a lot. I mean, I, I'm. I, that's a compliment. I'll take it. <laughs> okay. So for me, there are a lot of movies that I feel like punch down hard on homosexuality, mm-hmm. and I guess I never really saw that character this way. Mm-hmm. Um. You said that you like, you see a lot of like masculinity in this, and I think there's some, but like, uh, if I were to rank off, you don't think this is a masculine movie? I would not put this in the top <laughs> five or ten Nick Cage masculine films. I don't think. Wild. Like I I I don't know if it's because like I always have looked at Stanley Goodspeed as like the nerd, like on the outside. Like, cause like, there's definitely a lot of like masculine characters around him, but the focus is on good speed. So may- maybe that's it. Um, but as far as like, I always kind of felt like that character. I guess I never felt like it was punching down. I mean, he's screaming like a girl and hiding, and like, I mean, he is he exists to be a comic relief, and the punchline is his queer affectation. See, I thought the punchline was, I just want to know that you liked your haircut. And I always like thought that was like a, like a cute, I mean, like, funny line. That's not line. the worst thing about him. Is that line's not the worst part of mm-hmm. it. The character itself is the the, the depiction of okay. the character itself. Like, that line is, is not in and of itself offensive. It's not. Mm-hmm. But everything about the way that he, like, is presented coming into the room. Like, are there gay men who have very effeminate affectations and that is their like lived experience and truth. Absolutely. Do they deserve to be respected and appreciated? Absolutely. Does this movie do that? Absolutely not. (laughs) Yeah. And I guess that's like a different perspective. It's like for one, I always thought that was Billy uh, for a long time. I thought that was Billy. What's his name? He had a Billy on the street. What's his last name? He's an American horror story. Oh, um, 
Billy Eichner. Billy Eichner, thank you. Like, I always kind of got that kind of vibe from the character. And, like, with these FBI agents for all this being so shitty to Connery, he was just, like, being nice. Like, actually talking to him and stuff. Like, I guess I... I don't know. And I think it's just interesting. I, I And, again, I'm not saying that I disagree with you. I'm just saying for myself, like, I can think of a lot of movies that do a lot more nasty things oh, towards homosexual I characters. Mean, yeah, and of I, course. And I guess I always thought like, this was kind of, like, an inclusion, not the best inclusion, but, like, I, ne- I guess I never considered this as punching down. I mean, it speaks to a very specific stereotype. Yeah. Can do you – yeah. Yeah. It's definitely stereotypical, but I guess I never felt like it was punching down. But that's not to say if you felt that way or you, if you, because you, like I said, I consider okay. you an expert. I'm doing so some research here, and if, I, he may actually be a gay man. So oh, that interesting. Does that is an interesting wrinkle? But I still feel like when you're laughing at him, it's because of his affectation. And it's and it goes okay. into a larger and like the '90s were great in a lot of ways. A lot of ways there was great yeah. progress. There was for women, um, you know, just in general. Like it was a more like progressive period of time in a lot of ways. But mm-hmm. you go back and watch the movies from that era. Ooh, the homophobia and the xenophobia is a lot. Yeah. a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. Yeah, I, I guess like I, I've 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 been trying. Because I'm trying to get better at like seeing this stuff and being more critical in films and stuff to catch it, but I, I, I obviously knew it was coming. I expected it to come, and it never struck me as like punching down. I guess that's always been mm-hmm. kind of like that's like my new standard. Is like if I if I don't feel like it's punching down, then I kind of in, don't. I mean, I would I would argue that this punch deeper is than that. Down. I guess I would argue this punches down. Yeah. Because yeah. you're making fun is... of him for being gay. <laughs> but I guess I, I guess I never thought that was like making fun of him for being gay. Like he like he was a gay character in this like really scary situation. But like I guess I never, for myself I guess, never felt like it was saying like look at the gay man. It was more like here's a gay man in this crazy situation reacting mm-hmm. to it. Do you know what I mean? I mean, but listen, that's just how you I are absolutely, your opinion is yours to have, and I, like, receive it, <laughs> and I respect it. I personally felt very, like, grossed out by it, and that that's my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> Which is totally fine. That's what I'm saying. Like, we, I think we discussed it. We are allowed to, we re-disagree, similar to I your watch wrong it opinion again. on promising I think you should watch young it again. Woman. And, like, from okay. that perspective, and ask yourself, like, what, where are the jokes? What are the jokes when you watch yeah. him? He has that one line. It's not, I, I personally don't love it, but it's not the worst thing. But just like it, watch it, watch the reactions of the people around them. W- ask yourself, what are you meant to be kind of finding humor in in this moment? And it's, I think you'll be surprised to discover how much it is about the fact that he is kind of a sissy. It, surrounded by all of these like very masculine police military heroes scientists yeah and, and action it, stars guns like all of these things that are like very masculine and then he walks mm-hmm. in and we all giggle and why are we giggling yeah i yeah I, I definitely see that and i guess the other thing i guess for myself is like also as someone who went to that hyper masculine 
kind of institution for a little while. Yeah, I think your barometer is slightly off. <laughs> I, I guess, like, when, when I'm watching that scene, like, I don't see anything wrong with him. I no. see things wrong with, like, the people around right. him. Like, he's like a... He's like a breath of fresh air in a room full of testosterone. If that was a real you know person I mean? that walked into a room, there'd be nothing wrong with him. The way that the movie yeah. presents it and the way that you're intended to take and what you're supposed to take from that character is the issue. Like the character okay. itself, if he were a real person who acted exactly that way, would be beautiful and lovely. And I embrace them completely, but I would want them to be respected. Yeah, he's, he's similar to Billy Eichner, you know, like I... I but like, probably like a lot more aggressive, but like he's a lot of the same mannerisms of a Billy Eichner. Okay, I just don't think that like when Billy Eichner is doing his thing, you're meant to be like. No, no, no. Laughing I guess what, what, what at what I'm him, saying you're is like laughing at his jokes, but not at him. And I feel like this character. Yeah, what what I meant is like him. Yeah, I guess what I meant was that in like today times, Billy Eichner plays similar characters, maybe yeah. to that. And you don't get that vibe from No, no. I mean, I think you can have a very effeminate gay man and not have it be inherently homophobic, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. I think the context is what makes it homophobic. Okay. (laughs) Sorry, we went, like, way harder and deeper than I thought you you thought we were going to, huh? Okay. No, no. I I, I wanted to understand where you're coming from because I – because I I guess, like, I'm going to go back and rewatch it and kind of go a different perspective, but – the way I always seen it is like he's like one of like my favorite characters. Like, like oh, I said, no. a breath of fresh air <laughs> in a sea of tests. Yeah. Like I have. Yeah. Like as some like someone closer to Nick Cage than anybody else we kind of get throughout the entire I mean, movie. Yeah. You know what I, I mean? think Nick Cage, on the other hand, his character is much more nuanced and interesting and breaks in a lot of way with like um like toxic masculinity. Um, and so yeah. like this sh- it's not like this movie is not capable of having more nuanced opinions and and ideas of masculinity i just don't think it likes gay people very much but okay but anyways let's it's also like the era of don't ask don't tell like it was a very different Mm -hmm. time and like when you juxtapose don't ask don't tell was very interesting we had lectures on that at west point and that was talking about how we would react it was just the one thing i would ever forget is like when, because when I was going to leave West Point, it was right around the time they were talking about repealing Don't mm-hmm. Ask Don't Tell. I bet it. And I just really remember some of the conver- conversation. Oh, some of the conversations uh-huh. that because we were having briefings and some of the questions that people were asking and military officers, real military officers, were answering. Mm-hmm. Oh, Rachel. Oh, I <sighs> can imagine. But see, that's what I'm saying is Ooh. like I think that there some of the DNA of that is in this character. Yeah. Yeah, and I, and I also think it's for myself, too, is that, like, I grew up in such a mm-hmm. hyper-masculine mm-hmm. way that, like, I noticed the big egregiences, but, like, when I find a character who I don't feel like is being, like, shadow over po- upon, like, I tend to just enjoy them. I mean, that's <laughs> a natural response. I just think, yeah, I think it's worth, like, having a, for, like, if you watch it again and you're like, nope, I disagree, that's totally fine and valid but i think it's worth just kind of like mm-hmm. looking at it and be like hmm where where, where is the punchline here and i will you may yeah. you may find it and i will definitely take more, a closer that look. one scene is more of a bummer than you remembered but that doesn't mean that there aren't a lot of really great scenes around it because there are really great I, scenes i love breakfast at tiffany's and it has Ooh. one of the most offensive characters of all time in yeah it. exactly exactly 
<laughs> you are you are describing it and sharing my experience. <laughs> All right. All right. So moving moving on to yes. directing. Michael yeah. Bay. Michael Bay. Michael Bay. Michael Bay. Um, I saw the article you sent me, and I am very excited to read. Yeah, I don't. That. I don't know that it comes down on one side or the other of that, but I think it's interesting. This is described as like his one liberal film. <laughs> so. Ow. Again, like maybe it's just because I also have my this innate cynicism that's really developed over time towards my government. Um, that maybe is the reason why when I watch these movies, I, I look for it almost. You know, like I'm looking for that yeah. criticism. And maybe it's not even there, but I'm looking for it. This movie definitely yeah, has oh, it. Oh, for sure. Um, there, whether you like the movie or not, whether you're, you're pro America or anti America, whatever the hell you want to be, pro troop, anti troop, whatever, whatever it is, there's no arguing that this film. And Michael Bay are making a direct criticism of yes. the government about how they exploit the troops and have no problem throwing yeah. them away, and how they exploit the people and they have no problem throwing yeah. them away to protect their secrets. And it goes all the way back to Mason or Sean Connery's character, where like some of their secrets, one real film got taken and they literally deleted this man yeah. from the world. Like, your government is not your friend. <laughs> like, it's kind mm-hmm. of the takeaway. And I like that because this movie is a fun action movie. This is Nick Cage and Sean Connery breaking into Alcatraz so prison amazing. to disarm chemical weapons. Like, it is awesome. Yep. Like, there's a mine scene. For some reason, there's a mine on Alcatraz oh, the Island. The mine cart <laughs> scene. The mine cart scene is so wild. It's, it's Indiana Jones for like yeah. 20 minutes. That's the movie I keep forgetting about. That's why I love Sean Connery, too. Oh. Um, my favorite Last Indiana Crusade. Jones movie. You're Last right. Crusade. You're yes. right. You're right. I love that one. Yes. Me too. It's my favorite. Whoa. Um, <laughs> Whoa. That's a bold statement. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, <clears throat> and so I think it's so interesting that, and it's it's very different than Con Air and Face Off, which I, if I were to pick a triumvirate of the, the 90s peak cage mm-hmm. films, Right now, before we go into more, right, we're going to have a, an ultimate list, right? But if you were to put a gun to my head right now, the three Nick Cage films I would say you'd have to watch. And if you watch them and don't like Nick Cage, then then that's it. Is Face Off, Con Air, and The Rock. We need to make a Mount Rushmore of Cage, by the way. I, I just I agree. It just occurred to me that we need to have a Mount Rushmore of Cage. We could even do it by, like, like decades or, like, eras. Right, or modes or something. We'll figure yes. it out. We'll figure um, it out. But if, if, if I were to pick for myself before we watch more of these movies, the the triumvirate, it would be those three movies. Gotcha. I feel like I would do – I would have to throw in some of his other, like, aspects. Like, it's a little too action-heavy. So I would – I think The yeah. Rock would be in it, though, having revisited it. But I feel like we'd need to throw in, like, mm-hmm. a Moonstruck or, or a Leaving Las Vegas or something. And remember, like, I have either not seen most of those older oh, movies right. or only seen, like, clips. That's right. See, that's – you're going to have my experience when we get into, like, Moonstruck yes. when, when he's, like, a romantic lead. Mm-hmm. And made my and, little – And Kiss of the Vampire. My little preteen heart throb. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so – I forget what I was talking about. I got distracted by creating my right? favorite. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Just thinking about, man, I should watch Face Off. Like <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so yeah, like there, it's it's just, 
of the, okay, I remember now of those three movies I feel like this is the movie that is even attempting to say something more than grab your bowl of popcorn we're gonna have a good fucking two yeah, hours I think that's true and I think it's the reason why I go back to it so often even though I love it it there's something interesting mm-hmm. there I think that's true I, I think there yeah, is I agree like and I I really like that. I I like that a lot about any movie that predicts the, that talk about the military, like similar to like Black Hawk Down. Is any film that is critical of the US government's treatment towards its troops I find really interesting. Mm-hmm. Because we have this such rose colored glasses towards our soldiers, which we should because they, they protect us, but the thing is the people above them and the interests that fund it aren't that good mm-hmm. fair yeah fair and it is something for me that, that that always resonates and so even though michael bay is a fucking dick mm-hmm. like finding out what happened in transformers with towards mm-hmm. megan fox and all that stuff like and i think that this is a well-directed movie i feel like it is it is michael bay like there's the presidential speech, there's the American flags flying, there's your big explosions, there's your funny lines. Like this is a Michael mm-hmm. Bay film, full stop. Mm-hmm. However, that doesn't make it bad. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it, it, it it definitely when you hear that you know some of the issues you're going to get into, like the the babies, mm-hmm. the the femme mm-hmm. babies, sexy and... baby. Ugh, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's so gross. It really is. It's, it's it's like the one thing. It's like it brings out my inner Larry. It does. Like I get like, Ooh. yeah. It's, it it makes your yeah. skin crawl. Like, like I'm rewatching Dragon Ball. Like the whole oh, like I'm on Dragon yeah. Ball Z now, and like I love it. Like there are like episodes go by, and I forget about it. But then all of a sudden, you'll have Bulma or Chi Chi doing that, and it's like I remember one of the first animes I did watch was Sao Sword Art mm-hmm. Online. And it's because I liked the premise. I heard of the premise. And I was like, oh, this is really cool. It's about like people get trapped in an online video game. And if they die in the video game, they die in real life. Mm-hmm. And like you're watching that. And all of a sudden there's this arc where like this one female character who's like super badass, like falls in love with the main character. And then she reverts to like this child. Hate it. And it's like, what the fuck has happened? It's like, what the fuck just happened? Like she was out here slaying demons and now she wants, uh, god damn. Um, yeah. I hate it. Uh, it's why Death Note is always going to be the best um, anime of all time because it doesn't do that for the most part. Um, it has its cons. Um, I'm willing, again, I will I'm going to go back and rewatch it, but I do consider you an expert in the area, and if you say it's punching down or you get that vibe, you are far more red in the area than me, I'm going to give you the weight there. And then also when it comes to the baby stuff, that's just... <laughs> It's it's gross. It's yeah. just gross. It, it's just, it's just gross. But like you said, this movie is so good. The actors and thespians yes. in it are so it. enthralling. Mm-hmm. The lines are so, so good. just funny and so well delivered that you give it all a pass. Yeah. And 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 that is the reason why right now, if I were to pick the the three, it'd be the rock face off of Con Air because. 
I feel like there are issues in those movies. I, I, I even remember one of them now is when John Travolta was trying to fuck Nick Cage's daughter or vice versa, whatever it is. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah. That's going to be fun to talk about. Um, yeah. But like, you give it a pass. You give it a pass because they're just, sometimes it is okay to go back to the past and have a bowl of popcorn and a Coke Zero and just have a good two hours. I mean, here's... And that's how we're kind of approaching the podcast, too, is, like, we're not giving scores or things like that. It's a feeling watch. Yeah, totally. You know what I mean? It's a, how do you feel when you're done I mean, it? also, if I only enjoyed or watched movies where I was 100% feeling like the politics were good and the depictions were good, oh, I'd yeah, like you'd have a three time. movies. <laughs> you know what I mean? Especially, I would like nothing from my childhood. Like, you know, Goonies, yeah. done. Big Trouble Little China? Done. You know, Raiders of Lost Ark? Done. You would still have uh, Left Behind. You still would, have Left Behind. Right. Not Left Behind. Uh, not Left Behind. <laughs> Lord have mercy. Land Before Time. Would I? I don't know. I don't know. Probably is problematic <laughs> in some way. So it's not, it's it's not that you can't enjoy things with problematic things. In yeah. Them. But I think if we're going to talk about them, we have to talk honestly. And that way also, it, when, yeah. if we're intellectually honest about the things that don't work, when we're telling you the things that do, we're trustworthy because we're not going to, we're not just fangirling out or fanboying out. Like, yes. like there are amazing things about this movie. A, a cable car flies into the air. Like there are amazing things in this movie. A man is disposed via rocket. Like it, there's great stuff. <laughs> Nick Cage does Nick Cage, but like peak Nick Cage, you know, and it's okay to yeah. still love this movie and be like, it's flawed. That's okay. It's, it's flawed. still, it, it has I can issues. still love it. I can still even love it and, and think it's flawed. Yeah. Cause most of the movies we watch, they're flawed, but if we're going to talk about them, I'm going to mm. fucking keep it real. Yeah. And that's yep. what we should do. Yeah. Yep. I agree. So, anything else for, from you for pros and cons? I don't know. This is just like a totally bombastic movie of a different era, you know? And uh, yeah. Bay. And I, it's not slick. It's absurd. But it's a fun carnival ride. It's, it's, it is not no. slick. No one has ever accused no. Michael Bay of making a slick It is film. not subtle. <laughs> it, you know, none of those things. No. But it is a fun carnival ride that I will, like, happily pay my ticket for over and over and over again. Like, I can't believe how many years it's been since I watched this. That will th- that will not occur again. Yeah. Like, if you if you heard it was going to be in a local oh, theater in a, in a post-COVID world. Oh, heartbeat. If they showed this at my local yeah. theater and it, what we weren't in the mm-hmm. depths of a global pandemic, my ass yes. would be in-seat, <laughs> bucket-o-popcorn in hand. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Because this is a total popcorn muncher. And Nick Cage is quite sexy in it. <laughs> so He is a good-looking man. He is a good-looking good man. man. Like I said, this is the hair. Like, the hairline's getting a little I suspect am, at this point, but I'm still about it. I am. I am interested to go back to the '80s, where a lot of mm. it seems like people kind of felt mm. their their hearts tug mm-hmm. from Nick Cage. But for me, like this is like when I think of Nick Cage, yeah. it's this. It, it's this time. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I will say one last thing. Okay. Woodcop was having a hard day. <laughs> <laughs> there were hair systems as far as the eye can see. <laughs> that's all. That's all I'll say. That's all I'll say on that subject. So our last thing here, our second <gasps> last thing, is our favorite cage this was line. So hard. I think I sent you I a message. Mine... Like I, they're all the best lines. 
Oh, okay, yes, I think yeah. you did too. Yeah, it was it was very yeah. hard. So I put mine on here, but I blacked yeah. it out so you could take a peek and, so you didn't pick the same I, yeah, thing. Yeah, and I had, but fortunately I have a backup. So you can go first since, you, since you're a thief. Just kidding. Of course you think. I'm joking. <laughs> you got so quiet. I'm so I'm kidding. No, I, I was I was in the I was in the document on un, unhighlighting un, un it. It's okay. okay. <laughs> That's all. All right. Let me clear my nose out and get my, my throat ready. Yeah. Okay. Look, I'm just a biochemist. Most of the time I work in a little glass jar and lead a very uneventful life. I drive a Volvo, a beige one. But what I'm dealing with here is one of the most deadly substances the earth has ever known. So what say you cut me some friggin' slack? <laughs> it's so good. So good. It's so good. <laughs> You'll not be surprised to learn that I went with <clears throat> how in the name of Zeus's butthole did you get out of your cell? <laughs> that was almost what I went with, too. I mean, how do you pass up an like Olympian butthole, right? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. It... Oh man, I yeah, yeah. That was that was one I almost picked as well, Rachel. You. I remember at one point when we were, we we were attempting so... to title this. I was like, "Is there any way it could be Zeus's butthole?" No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> so now we have the hardest part of the Ooh, whole episode. Okay. We gotta give it a category, okay. and then we gotta put it in the hierarchy. Okay. Actually, let me pull up the hierarchy so, I can't remember where we were. Um, uh, for our audience, it currently stands Valley Girl, Family Man, Racing with the Moon, Prisoners of Ghostland, and The Best of Time. <laughs> <laughs> so I have a confession. I have gone back and watched parts of Best of Times. Have you really? <laughs> to, like, show others or, like, for your own enjoyment? A little bit of column A. A little bit of column A. I may have watched the the car wash scene again <laughs> okay 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 so i will okay. let you go first to what category would you put this in i would give recommend this to the for this for the swimming pool i'm sorry try it again for the swimming pool size fondue of 90s cheese nick cage fan aka us is who i would recommend it to for the swimming pool size Here, i just put it in the dock nick there you go. <laughs> okay. Thank you. <laughs> I was trying to keep up. I appreciate oh, no. you. Hold on. Let me put it back in. There it is. Beautiful. Thank you. Okay. For myself. I've kind of keeping a theme where I go the Nick Cage whatever. And I have I have I have said that I will potentially reuse okay. some okay. Okay. of these. I have not reused one yet. But this will be a Nick Cage something that I will definitely okay. reuse. And I'm taking... I was going to call it something else, but you said something that I think makes it okay. fit better. This is the Nick Cage Mount Rushmore. Yeah, it is the Nick Cage Mount Rushmore. Man, that thing is going to be packed. That's it, You think this rating here and is going to be hard wait till it's much rush more time when we've got like 10 yeah contenders it's gonna get ugly because I, I was wondering like when this is going to start happening i knew putting this up here and getting to this sooner rather than later was going to happen because the thing is is like we have pig mm -hmm. and i haven't seen it yet but i've only heard yeah. good things the trailer for the incredible lightness of being amazing so or whatever fun. it's called has the potential i think to be 
the most beautiful meta cap on a career for him. Not saying his career will be over, but like it looks like there's a chance that could just be like a excuse me, I hiccups now. Um just like I don't know, like a heartfelt analysis of this thespian who has just given us so mm-hmm. much, you know? Um so I'm I'm curious because like I said, there's there's two more that I feel like will hit here. There are a couple that I've only heard good things about, Moonstruck and the Vampire one or other ones I've heard about that I think will probably reach in here. And then Mandy. Mandy. Um, Joe is pretty amazing. Which is why I think when we, uh, City of Angels, which we haven't gotten to yet. (laughs) (laughs) And and that's why I think that when we do make the official Mount Rushmore or mountain mm-hmm. i feel like we should break up the cage films into eras mm-hmm. and then pick our favorite from the era yeah i think we should definitely note anytime we come across a contender like asterisk it or something so we'd remember to come okay. back to be like okay this was would you like to put an asterisk besides yeah, let's this let's do it yeah absolutely okay. i think we are in total agreement that this is an asterisk so then with that being said, would you put this at one? Come on. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> when you're like, this is the hardest part. And I was like, it's so not the hardest part. Well, I, I, I know Well, I know we had a little bit of a discussion for Family yeah. Man and um, Racing yeah. with the Moon. Racing with the Moon, you were totally right. Like, I, we are, like, This is a Nick Cage podcast. We're looking at the Nick yeah. Cage experiences. Yeah. And that definitely hurt it. And then I think I do think Valley Girl is more of a fun Nick Cage yeah. experience than Family Man. Even though I love Family Man. Yeah. Okay. okay, so it's The Rock, fam- Valley Girl, Family Man, Racing with the Moon, Prisoners of Ghostland, and Best of Times. I'm just ready for Wicker Man to take I mean, the one. I mean, You know what? Here's the thing is I suspect <laughs> that I, I'm going to make an argument for Rushmore when we get there. I'm just warning you right now. I've never I seen mean, it. I know the meme of the bees, well, that, and that's I it. I mean, so you have a flavor <laughs> of why I might make it a case for it. <laughs> Because mm-hmm. one of the faces, like, has to be the, like, crazy Nick Cage, right? One of them has to be his most wackadoo performance. Oh, man. Yeah. Nick Cage. Yep, yep, okay. Yep, yep. We're going to head into the okay. closing, wrap some stuff you up. Know it. Close out the episode, and then head into the bonus stuff. If you smell what The Rock is cooking. All right, so uh, anybody, if you'd like to submit your own Nick Cage artwork to the show, please feel free to send it to us. Rachel created a web, uh, an email for us. It's nickcage at zombiegirlsgrlz.com. If you have any emails or anything, send them in to us. I want to hear about your favorite Nick Cage movies and what you think about these. And speaking of, did we get any? We did not get any email this time. No one wanted to talk about The Rock. Um. So next month. I apologize, people who want to hear us get back to the 80s. We have one last stop on this kind of roundabout cage tour before we get back to the reverse order of release. And that's Pig. Do it. 
we were supposed to do this back in August, but when Dante got sick no. and all that was going it on, was a no. I, I just, <laughs> yeah, I just didn't have the bandwidth to do that to myself. And Rachel was, yeah, gracious. I tried to get in front of that one. I was um, like, <laughs> I don't think this is a good yeah. idea. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we will be reviewing Pig. That's going to be that. Um, we we don't have any Oscar nominations yet. They did do the Golden Globes, and as far as I'm aware, Pig didn't catch anything. Isn't the Golden Globes been, like, proven to be, like, super shady and... Yeah, okay. Oh, yeah. Golden Globes and the Emmys are, like, some of the, like, the most corrupt, nasty organizations ever. And the Grammys, for that matter. See, I don't really pay that attention to the board shows, so I was shocked when I kind of learned the history of the Golden Globes. The the Hollywood Forum Press is disgusting. Yeah, I think there was an episode of Today Explained maybe recently went into it, and I was like, whoa whoa yeah it's it's really bad it's really bad a lot of them are i think the academy awards because it's like so prominent is being forced to change but even they have their fucking yeah, issues they vastly increased the number of people who are in the voting pool and like diversified it yeah and it, it gets yeah. for the better i i I, I i truly do i <laughs> they, they they still make some mistakes but i think the fact that a film like parasite even though i picked it to win in my like academy award bracket like i get my my, my pick them or whatever that's because i i have a hard time picking things that i think will win i pick the ones that want mm-hmm. to win um so like i was i was just happily surprised because bong joon ho and that film deserved all the credits yeah. it got like i i have watched them before and that's even with all everything else that came out around it too like it beat out a tarantino film which is probably my second or third favorite tarantino wow film. yeah wow. But that's it. So then after that, we're going back to the 80s. I don't have a list in front of me, so I can't. I can try to go real quick and look it up. But I'm not quite sure what's next. I'm looking at it. The old IMD Beasel. It's probably better than I'm in the Academy Awards. Not Academy Awards. uh, Wikipedia. And apparently they don't have a. Here we go. Nick Cage filmography. Uh, so we'd be racing with the moon. We have Cotton Club. He's a named character in that, and Birdie. Well, I know for sure he's in Birdie. Um, I don't know anything about Cotton Club. So I think between now and, I think... and we'll, we'll announce it at the end of the pig episode because we're going to have to do a little research. Yeah, because just a quick little glance at it. I think Cotton Club, he's just a small minor character, and since we skip, like, fast times, we're, we'll mm-hmm. skip that too. So I think Birdie's the next one, but we'll have to check. But that's it. Uh, stick around after the credits. Yeah. Because we need to talk about our forcings, what our next forcings will be, and then the cage mm-hmm. rage. So thank you to everyone and enjoy uh, watching Pig. We want to hear from you. Let Absolutely. us know what you think. If I'm wrong and this movie it was flawless, I want to hear about it. Drop us a line. <laughs> also, I just want to let you know that Bertie is Nicolas Cage and Matthew Modine. That's, I just thought you should know that. Oh and shit! I know you're are you a serious? Head. I am. <laughs> Have I seen this movie? Okay, interesting. All right, we'll find out later. All right, guys, thanks. Bye, See you later. <laughs>
the extended episode. If you're here, you're cool. <laughs> I'm going to have you go first? first for the forcing okay. because I think that the second one will be a little bit more diving okay. into. Um, I asked you to watch yes. Get Him to the Greek. I know this is a movie that has great sentimental value for you. So I was like, oh, please don't suck. For, for, for very interesting reasons. But yes, and it so, does. Like, you know. I, I don't want to come in and be like, this movie sucked. So I was like, please, please don't suck. Please don't suck. Please don't suck. Please don't suck. <laughs> and the good news is I laughed a lot in this. <laughs> yeah. I think there's one joke that is not aged well. Uh, Which one? It's, it's, it's been a uh, while since I haven't, I haven't, I think I watched it like right after I told you about it, but it's been a minute. It's not great. Oh, but yeah. other dude. than that. Yeah. <laughs> I laughed a lot in this movie. And my takeaway from this was mm-hmm. I kind of wish there would be more team ups between Russell Brand and um why am I blanking on his name? Jonah Hill. Thank Jonah you. Hill. I was like, it's not Seth Rogen. Uh same genre of dude, but not the same one. Okay. <laughs> Much different kind of yeah. human being yeah. on the other side. But I, I think that their chemistry, their buddy chemistry is so good that I wish we could get a series of movies all a like um, Chris Farley and uh, Danny no. Carvey. Chris Farley. No, David... not Danny Carvey. I'm sorry. Spade. Yes, David Spade. Like they have that kind. I mean, it's not exactly like that, but that same kind of like the way they bounce off each other, the way that they play those like um like the straight man and the kind of who's like kind of corrupted by the sort of out of control unle you know unleashed one is really funny i yeah. laughed a lot in this movie like hard which i was not expecting because a lot of times like, yeah. i will think a movie's funny but i don't laugh out loud and i laughed out mm-hmm. loud in this movie at quite a few places like when he got the adrenaline that fucking cracked me up <laughs> Um, and there are just a couple of really, really great lines in this. I P. Diddy surprisingly is funny in this. Shockingly so, funny. It's kind of yes. like, yeah, he kind of had his like Tom Cruise in, um, yeah, Tropic Thunder, Thunder movie, moment, like where he came in and just like mm-hmm. played like into and against type at the same exact time in a way that was hilarious. He was great with the mind fucking. Um, yeah. Did you remember that uh what's her face? Um the girl from uh Peggy from Mad Men was in this. Uh, Elizabeth Did you Moss, that? my queen. This is the one place where this movie like definitely stretches your um it requires you to like kind of <laughs> accept the movie reality as it is that like a <laughs> Jonah Hill could pull a queen like Elizabeth Moss <laughs> and that B she would put up with him like stepping out on her like <laughs> I love Elizabeth Moss so so much um it's just yeah it reminds me a lot of Emma Stone and yes Superbad, I, again where you have these amazing actresses who like are kind like, this is like the before times for them this is like before they show that they have this like these chops first time i ever saw emma that stone are more than super bad. and i was like who is this yeah Dundes? the first time i ever saw elizabeth moss was in wild so not mad men oh no. interesting i didn't watch mad men until i went to miami and this movie came out when my grandpa mm, died and that was gotcha. before i went to miami so oh, she's yeah. so amazing and and everything yeah and it's just crazy because like it's just such a different role but I appreciate it so much more now what she has done. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like the same thing with like 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 Matt, Matthew Conaghy. 
and stuff. Like when you see them in like their old roles where they're like, and then you see them like put on like actual performances. It's like, shit. Okay. You got good. The same with Jonah Hill. Like Jonah Hill's first movie was super bad. And like some of the movies he's been in, like in particular Wolf of Wall Street, like that dude can act. That dude can act. Big A act. And I, I love it. I love seeing it across the board. I just hope he doesn't abandon um, comedy altogether because I love him in comedies. Love me him. Me too. I, I hope so too. I think that his friendship with Leo will help him not I hope do that's that. that's true. Rose Byrne is like the...